Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey, Transplaner friends! You're listening to The Hounds of Mercy vs. Mercy's Seven Evil Exes and All of Andake, an eight-part miniseries set in Andake that follows four shattered monster hunters in the wake of the Cataclysm. Jaron Cotter, the dragonborn rogue, is played by Hamna Shahid. Sitlali, the changeling cleric, is played by Quinn B. Rodriguez. Gentle, the triton monk, is played by Dare Hickman. And the GMing is by yours truly, Connie Chong. Toss us a follow on Twitter by consulting the show notes. And without further ado, content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, parental death, apocalypse, trauma, toxic relationships, romance, active flirting, and references to sexual entanglements. The North Shore of Umaori Lake is a vast expanse of waves rolling over sand, ducks floating in the water, and the hanging temple of Unme standing tall and proud atop the glistening surface as the hounds say goodbye to Athena. Athena, the mercenary that Mercy brought in to replace Oka, has found a place among the monks for now. She wishes to watch over the temple to learn more about this mysterious O2 Delta 97 that the spirit of the lake mentioned to her. And now we see Athena, head monk Fumin, and shrine maiden Senaru standing at the archway of the temple, waving goodbye to the four of you, their bodies backlit by the rising light of morning. Sitlali, gentle Jaron. Led by mercy, the three of you turn your backs and you travel. You travel in search of the Paragon of Sen, a divinely appointed champion of the gods from Endake's mythic past. The Paragons of the Eight are children's stories, fables of courage and destiny that elders tell to pass the time while they're weaving. At least, that's what you thought, until Unme revealed that the vanishing didn't take Sen. Not completely. A shattered echo of the god of change in nature remains trapped in the material plane, the now, and it yearns to be united with its paragon. Aided by a vial of Unmei's magical water, Mercy leads your party toward them. You hope. Mercy actually performs the ritual to track Sen's paragon for the first time under the shade of a barren oak, huddled against the cold. She unscrews the vial and pours a droplet, just a tiny thumb's worth, onto a dead leaf. And you all watch as this water hits the surface and then animates, pooling toward the west in one swift movement in the direction of the Euclid Chasm. And so you travel. 
You trudge for a week through the snow-struck trees of Fumasoki Wood, where crystals of ice rhyme atop the splintered branches of evergreen trees. You find icy caves and thick copses of trees to make camp. You pull your furs and leathers closer to your body in the dead of winter, your breath fogging the crisp night air in thick plumes. You defend yourself against monsters lurking in the snowy wood. Some you recognize, others you don't. And whenever you fight an empty monster, you're careful to harvest its, corp its corpse for soul bags. So I'm going to ask actually right now for the first roll of the session, each of you to make a survival check to see how many souls you're able to collect, how many soul bags for the duration of this travel period. So go ahead. The dice are choosing violence against me again. I got a nine. A nine. How about the rest of you? 24. 24 from Sitlali. Gentle. Uh, 19. 19. That's pretty good. So with the <laughs> rolls you've made, Jaron, I think you're able to... I think the rolls are how many souls you harvest. Jaron, you're able to save nine. Gentle, you save 19. Sitlali, you save, was it 24? You fight these monsters, you harvest these soul bags, you carry these souls with you, careful not to let them escape through the cinched neck of each sack. On the fourth night of travel, I think we find Mercy, your rugged half-orc leader with a single eye patch over her, over her eye. We find her hunched over a campfire. Your tents are erected in the shade of a hollowed-out snowbank. The black, seamless night pours darkness over Mercy's shoulders as she uses a knife to fashion javelins out of foraged branches. The hour is late, the camp is cold. Jaron and Gentle, tell me, who's already sitting with Mercy by the fire, and who approaches later? Be the one sitting, just because it feels like just keeping Bud warm. Okay, Bud, which is, of course, your little wolf pup. So yeah, uh, Gentle, as we settle over you, why don't you just re-describe really quickly what you look like and what you're wearing, what you're doing. Uh, I'm a triton, so, you know, the uh, blue skin, green hair. Uh, I'm not wearing my mask, but I tend to have a slightly cracked, smiling mask. Uh, I'm not wearing it now because I am among people I trust to feel safe with. Uh, and I'm just taking care of a little wolf pup named Bud, um, who managed to survive everything uh, alongside, you know, me and Jaron and everyone. So I'm just taking care of it, being sort of a adoptive uh, pup parent. Nice. I love it. Uh, I think, like, what are you doing with the pup uh, as the pup's, like, next to you? Um, probably teaching it just, like, little tricks. Probably just, like, playing with it. Okay. Roll animal handling. Let's not disappoint the baby. Hey, dirty 20. Nice. That's good. Yeah, it's you've taught you've taught it two tricks. What are the two things it can do? Jump and like a little little like like hop dance thing. Just excited. <laughs> That's really no advanced. It doesn't know how to sit. It doesn't know how to stay, nope. but it knows how to jump and dance. Nope. It knows how to jump and dance. That feels right. I love it. I love it. Before it can walk. I'm into it. Yeah, you're maybe you're holding like a little bit of like a dry jerky or something above its head as it's like jumping exactly. and like doing a little like hind like a dance, you know, bud. Yes. And it's like the big eyes are like fixed on this piece of jerky. And that's when Mercy sat across the fire from you. Says, that's not a very useful trick to teach something that could be a fearsome predator one day. Yeah, I know. But I mean, 
Bud's a baby still. You can have fun. <laughs> when I was a baby, I knew how to kill something before I said my first word. Is that true? I don't know. Is it gentle? This uh, gentle's gonna try insight. Gentle's not well. Gentle's <laughs> good at this, but okay. To specifically see if she's oh. telling the truth. Yes. Yeah, see if this is a, a joke story. That was another dirty twenty. Uh, she does not seem to be lying. <laughs> she does not. You're not sure if this is a tall tale uh, or like the actual truth, but there's no like direct lie here. As Mercy looks at you with her one good eye, the other one shielded by her leather eye patch. Um, I'm sorry that happened to you? I don't... No, don't be sorry. It made me who I am. A badass motherfucker. Oh, um, well, I don't think Bud needs to worry about that yet. Uh, I'm kind of going <laughs> to help guide Bud at my own pace. Uh, well, they are very cute. I'll give you that. I had my pets growing up, too. A little rust monster by the name of Rusty. God, I miss that thing. First monster I ever befriended. How many monsters have you befriended, actually? That sounds interesting. More than you've ever killed, I'll tell you that. And she starts, I she, like, barely killed any. I know, which is why it's not a difficult boast. And she continues to, I think, like sharpen that javelin, right? Like wood shavings going onto the ground. But gentle... I think as like a quiet settles over this camp, Jaron, that's when you enter the scene. Tell me what you look like and how you like step into the uh, into the flames, uh, the light shed by the flames. Yeah, so Jaron is a green dragonborn. So their uh, sort of dark brown skin fades into these green scales. They have the horns above their head and uh, there's like icy in color threads that connect all of the different parts of their horns. And I think the way that Jaron enters the scene is very like quick and purposeful. Like he walks in, he's got a point to why he's coming and he's like clearly like, like worked up or like in a rush of some kind. And he comes up and he just kind of uh, like nods at Gentle to acknowledge that Gentle is here and then looks at Mercy and just says, Mercy, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, slow your roll there, Jaron. Here, found the stick that was up your ass. And she holds up one of the javelins she's sharpening. Mercy? What? Where are we going? West. I know that we need to find this paragon, and I, I, we, we should do that, of course. But at the same time, I think we should be looking for Oka. <sighs> this again, listen, we've got one mission. Find the paragon of Sen and bring them to Unmei. That's it. What is it, gentle? I don't think Dron's wrong to address this. Uh, I... <sighs> Mercy, I know it seems to be more of your style, but you like to keep things very close to the chest, so to speak. Yes, thank you, Gentle. There is a lot you are not telling us, Mercy, and I just think that it would be useful if we could maybe talk to some people on our travels, ask them if they've seen someone who looks like Oka or sounds like Oka. They are pretty distinctive. I think if we just did that and we get a lead on where they might be, then... It would be useful to us. That's all. If you want to waste your time asking people about where this Oka, where Oka might have gone, be my guest. But we're not going to slow down for you. 
What if we, we all slow down? Mercy turns her gaze to you, gentle, and says, Not happening, gentle. We have to find this paragon, okay? That's our mission. We're not slowing down. I think it's important to also take care of our friends along the way. I mean, we've... Since everything's happened, we went, we've went. we lost three hounds. I'm just saying, maybe we should also make sure of the ones we have here and address our needs, too. It's not not important to look for Oka as well. Exactly. We've lost three hounds. They're gone. They're not coming back. Move on. I think throughout this process, like, Mercy's probably still been continuing to, like, sharpen the javelins as she's speaking. Um, And so Jaron at this kind of just, like, grabs the one out of her hand um, and just, like, holds it back and says, you've lost three and you don't even care? What about us? What if we leave you? (laughs) Who else is going to put food in your stomach and pay you? Feel free to leave. Be my fucking guest. But move on. Oka's gone. They're not coming back. They've left us. Period. End of sentence. End of fucking story. What, gentlemen? Tron and I are hunters by nature. This isn't... I don't want to be literal, but this would be pretty easy for us to survive without you. Then I'm leave. Sorry. I don't give I don't a shit. Want to. Get You're out of friend. here. You're my friend. I don't... We, we are friends here. We're not saying we want to leave. We just want to also make sure that our friends are taken care of. What part of Oka is gone and they're not coming back is not getting through to the two of you. That's the reality of the situation. At least the gods are still kind of here, but Oka's gone and that's by choice. I think in this moment, Jaron just takes the javelin that's in their hands and like throws it like really aggressively at Mercy's feet and says, Oka was your right hand, supposedly because you cared about them. So what? What about that? (laughs) You know nothing of my relationship with Oka. And I would think again. And she stands up, right? Uh, like this shadow, like falling over the campfire, right? As she like blots out some of the light and like approaches you. And she like rips the javelin out of the ground where you stabbed it down into. Before you make speculations about my decisions. I stand up. We don't need to fight, please. <sighs> Tell that to Mercy. And Jaron is just bed. like not looking at Gentle when they say that. You, gentle, take next watch. I'm done here. And Mercy, yeah. like, yep, gathers up, like, the javelins. Uh, she she turns and starts to leave, but while she's at, like, the periphery of, like, the, the light cast by the campfire, she turns and sort of says over her back, I think she's, like, holding the javelins under one arm. Like I said, we have one mission and one mission only. Find that goddamn paragon. Because if we find them, then we have the answer to the cataclysm, the answer to every single problem in our fucking miserable lives right now. So if you want to find Oka, if you care about Oka, you'll focus on this mission. And she turns and gruffly leaves. And I think like a quiet, really awkward, like tense quiet maybe settles over the campfire. Drawn, gentle, do the two of you address each other? I think Jaron just kind of in a huff, like sits down on the log uh, 
supposedly that Mercy was sitting on, like probably in exactly the spot that she was sitting and just kind of like head in their hands is just like really angrily like muttering to themselves. Hey, Tron? Yeah? Um, do you want some tea? Um, and if not, Bud can show you a cool trick that I've been teaching him that might help you cheer up a little. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, what's this trick that you've been teaching, Bud? Can I just show the little the little dance again? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Cute. Yes, I love that. I think seeing the dance like actually does make Tron feel a little bit better. Not like a like a ton, but I think it does help a little bit. And uh, they kind of like gesture over for a piece of jerky to try and do it themselves i'll give you one no question yeah and i think jerron tries to like make bud repeat the dance cute yeah i think on this as the embers of the campfire are dying down as bud is like yipping and yipping for this piece of jerky i think we see like a flurry of snowflakes swooshing across carrying us into the next stretch of travel and now, as the scene is swept through transitions, right? <laughs> if this were like primetime HBO show, we see a blizzard like passing by. Uh, and we see the four of you, including Mercy, marching through snowy fields. You're fording icy streams. You're basically following the curvature of Uma Ori's northern bank to go west. And finally, you break through this frigid tree line to reach the Ogumor River Valley. The vast Ogumor River flows from the head of Umaori Lake all the way west, where you all know it crashes into the depths of the Euclid Chasm at the thundering Ogumor Falls. But that's well over 50 days away. Your party pauses at the crest of a massive snow-covered hill. You look down into the river valley and you see rolling fields of white hills rising like waves, this early morning sunless gray light inching its way across the boundless horizon. And in the distance, you see herds of cattle dotting the landscape surrounded by clusters of gurs, which are portable circular tents covered in animal hide. Mercy takes in a... Big lungful of icy air, her brow knotted with tension. And then she leads your party in to the clans of Kirtal, a brand new nation, which brings us to day seven. Gentle and Sitlali. Where are the two of you? What time of day is it? Why don't you set the scene for me here? And what are what are the two of you doing when this next scene occurs? I think it's probably late. Feels like a late night conversation. Uh, and I think one of us was on watch and the other one couldn't sleep. So now is also on watch. Maybe That's neither all. of us could sleep. That all feels right. Yeah. Hey, it's it Lolly. Um, yeah. How have you been? I haven't really checked in on you in a while. And they have their tarot deck in their hands and they're just kind of shuffling it idly. Uh, and Sitlali is a changeling. They have absurd, um, not absurd, it's kind of absurd, uh, pastel, mixed pastel hair. Uh, with, and their eyes, the irises are bright pink, but the sclera are, by this point, pitch black, I think it's safe to say. Uh, no reason, don't worry about it. Um, and they're still in their tall face, so they're still about six feet. 
Um, and Sit Lolly kind of stopped shuffling the cards and just, you know, I'm fine, focused. How are you? Uh, really just tired and bummed out. Um, I feel like everyone's really upset and I don't know how I can help. And you're the best at helping people. So I wanted to ask if you had any ideas. I'm the best at helping people. Really? That's a, that's a good one. I haven't laughed that hard in a minute. I mean it. Um, I mean, like you can heal people's wounds and like, I can do that a little, but you're really good at that. It comes with the territory, I guess. It's not a big deal. It's really cool. Like, how did you learn it? Was it hard to learn? I was a natural. Cool. As a kid. Nice. Is it? It's not really. The courts are... Bolshaya was a lot nicer than the courts. I'll just put it that way. I have a question for you. Sure. Through your mask, the literal one, where does that come from? I made the first one when I was younger. When I was a kid, I tried to help a bunch of people, and I made a lot of people sick, and they didn't like me a lot, so they didn't want to see my face, so I I made a mask. It was wooden and not super good, but I did my best. Um, And I got really good at making new ones. And this one I've been using for a while. Uh, It's a little cracked now, but I think it still suits me. So it was a reaction. It wasn't really a choice. It was a reaction at first, but I felt, I don't know, better with it for a lot. Like, I... It's harder to feel like I was making people sad with the mask on because they couldn't look me in my eyes as easy and say something. So wearing masks can be good. Yes, I think. Uh, It makes me feel better when I take it off because the people I take it off for means I really care about them, like you or Drawn or Mercy even, because you're all my friends. And I don't normally like... Uh, taking it off. I I think I feel safer with it, but for you all, I, I trust you enough. You ever think about not taking it off? Yeah, no, there was a long time where I don't think I... I outside of, like, Jaron, especially when we both lived in uh, Wilshire, not a lot... I don't think a lot of people saw me without it. Um, I think Jaron may be the only friend I had. I, everyone else just sort of I just hunted and it I mean they liked that I could make get food. That was cool. And I think they just kind of stare off into space a little bit. Do you like masks? I'm a performer, of course I do. Do you like wearing your masks? Sometimes you don't have a choice. Do you wear a mask with us? Would it change anything if I did? I'd understand, but I'd be a little sad. I took mine off for you, but I would uh, so respect that. I think on that, right, the embers die down again, right? And like we fade out on like Sit Lolly, like really thinking about what Gentle's saying, this conversation about masks, <laughs> about who you are and hiding your true face. And I was like, 
The fire dies down. We open again. Light sheds again on five more days passing. And we see little dotted figures across a snowy field, your party traveling across Kirtal, taking in the sights and sounds of a brand new country. The sky here is huge. It's bigger than any other sky in Endake. Uh, you take the lowlands, avoiding the dark forests bristling on the spines of nearby hills. You also avoid settlements and, la and particularly large herds, uh, though this is mostly by Mercy's design. And if anyone tries to ask her why we're avoiding people, uh, she snaps a gruff retort and refuses to answer. Seems to still be holding on, even though it's been seven days, right? Twelve days at this point, onto that conversation from earlier. And so, you keep traveling. You make camp on the open field, set up your tents, build fires, set a watch order, etc., etc. And on day 12 of your travels, five days after that conversation, Sidlali, tell us, where are you and what are you doing when we find you alone? I think it's morning. I think it's still on the early side. I think they're twirling a piece of copper wire between their fingers. And they kind of pop their head out of their tent to make sure that no one is around. And presumably they aren't, that they can tell with their 23 perception. Um, All you see is Mercy. I think she's taking, this is like her, her watch shift. You just mm -hmm. sort of see her. She's still sharpening javelins. She has like a whole bunch of javelins now. And I think because she has too many, she'll like throw some like new ones into the fire to like keep it for wood. She just seems to be doing this to like make make busy with her hands. Um, mm -hmm. and take her mind off of her thoughts. As you poke your head out, you notice her, but she doesn't notice you. Would you like to make an insight check on Mercy? Oh, you know I would. 19. 19. You can tell, because this is her with no pretense. She doesn't know she's being watched. As far as she knows, everyone else is asleep. And you see, like, her brow is knitted, and there's so many emotions playing across her face. The prominent one is anxiety. Uh, she's nervous to be in Kirtal for some reason, uh, and you're thinking back to all the times when you're like, can we stop by, like, a settlement to, like, get provisions or something? She's like, no, we have to, like, take, we have to take this, like, weird, out-of-the-way path, right? She seems to be very wary of Kyrians, specifically, though you're not sure why. But bubbling underneath that anxiety is just this deep, with a 19, this deep well of sadness and regret. It's just sort of simmering on her face like a pot brought so close to boil but not allowed to erupt just yet. Uh, it seemed like the conversation she had with Jaron and Gentle, which you probably overheard in your tent because it got to, it got to shouting, um, was like the pot boiling over but now it's brought back to that low simmer and she's just sitting there simmering. Uh, and there's something about Oka this entire time that she has not told your party. Something that she's holding on to, right? That she seems um, like she would rather eat her boot uh, than tell the party about. You know what I mean? Like there's a very reluctant piece of information that she has yet to share. Mm-hmm. That's what you can do with Noted. So I will observe that. Sitlali will remember this. Uh, pop back... <laughs> into the tent okay just kind of sit in the middle of it and huff and cast sending okay <laughs> uh what does that look like 
It's, I think they just sort of bend the piece of copper wire and it sparks with that sort of dark. Divine is a strong word for it, but we'll use it because that's technically what it is. Uh, energy. And quietly, out loud, counting on their fingers to make sure they don't fuck it up. Hey, you. It's your least favorite. Where the fuck did you go? At least let us know you're good, please. Okay. And then waits for a response. As you sort of mutter this out loud and count on your fingers, the little bit of copper wire, right, shrivels up as the, as the spell is cast. That it consumes this component. You see it just sort of whittled down like a matchstick left to burn until it crumbles into ash, coppery ash in your fingers. And then you feel like, as you always do, when magic bursts out of you, almost like the weave is tightening around your chest, the magic comes out. And then horrifyingly, the magic is sucked back in. As you feel something inside you pulling on the threads of the weave, right? Like a spider invading another spider's web, pulling it down, untangling this precious spell work you've wrought, and sucking that magic back into your soul. As your emissary prevents you from casting sending. Hey, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> as you sort of exclaim this out loud, you hear a voice in your head, this like cold, low, clicking, rasping voice that ever since the cataclysm has glommed onto your soul, sort of echo around the inside of your brain saying, No. You don't need anyone else. You only need me, Sitlali. Is your magic not a good enough gift from me to you? Do not. Be ungrateful. I am your friend. If I recall correctly, you're the one who needed me. Or you'd die. Allegedly, of course. I don't know how much of that I believe, considering Unme's just fine with a fucking lake. Unme is the lake. Kill the lake and you kill her. Kill her and you kill the lake. Emissaries, we have more free reign on the now than our gods do. I have found myself safe shelter in your soul. And in return, you do not lose what makes you special. And at that, like, your your hands, regardless of you, start to glow with this, like, new dark light. As your emissaries, like, sort of, like, gesturing that, like, this is the gift, it's your magic. So, you're just here to stay. Am I right about that? Is this just... The new normal? Is this what we're doing? Like, can I even get rid of you if I want to? <laughs> How could you get rid of me, Sitlali? I am the hole left behind by death. 
the negative space around the loss, the small, barren thing that remains when even grief is gone. I am lonely. And in that moment, you realize they're not just saying that they're lonely, they're telling you their name. And you are my Sitlali. I'm going to pull out my soul bag of 24 souls. Okay. And what happens if I let these go? They disappear into nothingness, and you commit sacrilege. You said we reap them, we don't consume them? No, we do not. Well, I guess that's a relief. So what do we... What do I do with them? What do you recommend, considering we are separate entities? We are heading west regardless. Continue west after the chasm. Eventually, we must return home, Sitlali. We must go back to the weave-spun nest. We must place these souls inside the nest and give them to what remains of the queen. She's still there. I don't know, but every day we get closer, and soon I will know. Can I insight check any of this? That's so funny. Uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> insight checks myself. Twelve. <laughs> Twelve. Uh, you can tell that this there's no major deceit here, right? Everything Lonely is telling you seems to be coming out of their uh, lack of a heart, I guess. <laughs> You're not sure if this emissary has a heart, so to speak. But it seems to be speaking to you as authentically as it can, with a 12. And it seems very desperate to stay attached to you, because unlike Unmei, it doesn't have anything to hold on to in the now outside of you. So if you were to separate, you'd lose your magic and they'd just be gone, like those souls. If I try to message someone again, are you just gonna kill my spell slot again? Is that, is that just how it's gonna be? You do not need anyone else's help aside from mine, Sitlali. Do not ask again, my friend. And you feel like the strings of magic in your soul bend and one of them snaps as... Quinn, I'm going to ask you to remove sending as a spell from your spell list, and you no longer have access to it. You can swap it out with another spell. It feels like a part of you has been just snapped. You lose access to a part of your magic. Okay. Like a river with so many tributaries, and one of the tributaries has suddenly been dammed up, and now the water's just bashing against the logs. That's how it feels. Fuck. And I think I do say that out loud as I clutch my chest. Understood. Message received. Ironically enough. Good. I think like on like the light coming dark 
on this like tent, right? It's Lolly like clutching her chest as you feel like gasping, maybe, right? Sweat rolling down the side of your face, like reeling with this like magic that's just been taken from you, like a toy from a child's hand. Another week passes. Another eight days on the road. Your party scuffles with monsters, you brave blizzards, you fight back, you fight back the darkest well as you can. You even see inexplicable things. One of them is a shimmering hill, jittering with weird magic in the wake of the cataclysm. Its outline is blackly iridescent, reminiscent of the slick that attacked Unme. And looking at it is kind of like looking into a prism. Dozens of the same thing refracted back at you, thrumming with wrongness. The trees on the sides of this hill glitch in and out of existence, and you start getting a headache whenever you look at it for too long. You also see other anomalies. The remnants of sinkholes, banks flooded with frozen water, even the smoldering remains of forest fires, which makes no sense in the dead of winter. Nothing in Endake makes sense anymore. Up is down, down is up, right is wrong, wrong is right. And on day 20 of travel, Jaron and Sitalali, tell me, where are you and what are you doing when we find the two of you in a scene on day 20? This would be maybe shortly after Jaron has just come back from a hunt. So they're kind of like, they've got like a dagger in one hand and like the carcass of maybe like a small deer or something in the other. Uh, and they're like bringing it back for, for presumably for dinner uh, to have for everyone. And I think maybe they run into Sitlali on their way back. Good haul? Yeah, it seems that uh, despite the monsters running around, there's still still some semblance of regular life left. That's good. Are you, um, you hurt at all? Uh, no, no, I'm okay. Good, that's good. Because if you were, I mean, I could, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. You've still managed to keep your magic. By the way, I, I've i never asked you about that. And I guess I'm curious, how, how did you manage to keep your magic? That's kind of a long story, don't you think? You know, some people are just lucky, I guess. Yeah, some are. Here, let me just put this put this down, and then and then yeah. we can we can chat. And I yeah, think Jaron sure. goes to like put the put the the deer carcass onto. Supposedly, they've got like some sort of makeshift like space setup where they do like skinning and like all of the like prep for the food and stuff. And he just kind of like leaves it on the table, uh, kind of cleans off the dagger on on his armor uh, from where there's probably a little bit of blood still left, sheaths it, and then like comes back to sit with Sitlali by the fire. So um. How, how are you? I think you and I know better than to ask that question, <laughs> don't we? Yeah, but you know, um, old habits. I think I know something that could take your mind off of things. Oh, yeah. What, what do you have in mind? And they pull out their deck. You know, for all of my showmanship, I do actually have some sense of, I can actually... Do you want a reading? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that would be really interesting. 
And I think Jerron kind of looks around to see, is anyone else around? I don't think so. I think it's just the two of you. Then I think Jerron kind of leans in a little bit conspiratorially and kind of whispers, I think Mercy knows more than she's letting on. Do you think you could figure out what is it, what it is that she might know or why she's hiding, whatever she's hiding? I lean forward as well. I don't need to do a reading to know that Mercy's full of shit, but like, yeah, I can see if I can get specifics. And uh, I'm going to cast Augury. Okay. And try to give Drawn a proper reading. What kind of a spread is it? How many cards are you drawing? Three. Okay. That's a good number. Um, How does Augury work? Does it just, does it just happen? The GM chooses from the following possible omens. Wheel for good results, woe for bad results, wheel and woe for both good and bad results. Uh, Nothing for results that aren't especially good or bad. Okay. Can I tell you what cards you draw in that case? And perhaps how you might be able to interpret them? Unless like you, because I feel like if you're reading specifically for Mercy, I feel like I can like give you some stuff to to read off of. Okay. The first card you draw is Judgment Reversed. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, (laughs) The second card you draw is Two of Swords. And the third and final card you draw is the Ten of Wands. If you want me to help you interpret these from Mercy's perspective, you can roll for it. Yeah. If you would like. That'll be... I think it'll be an insight check on the cards. Okay, <laughs> I will insight check my own deck because it is marked. So, like you know, mm-hmm. I could fuck it up. That's a nineteen plus. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a natural twenty. So twenty-eight. That's a nat- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I guess you know everything about Mercy. I uh, know. So okay. Lolly is just psychic. <laughs> is it? Like- Give it to yeah, me. So- Give it to me. Give it to me. You find out, you discover Mercy's true name. I uh, know. Uh, so judgment reversed. Basically, mm-hmm. generally what this means is uh, regretting past actions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, guilt. Uh, and judgment is major arcana. So this is like the biggest thing, right? Major yeah. guilt and regret is hanging over Mercy is the overall tone that judgment reversed is setting. Uh, and usually this happens after a period of self critique right and self-criticism and like self like beating herself up right and now she's sitting in the aftermath of that and like just sitting in regret steeped in it right uh the next one which is the two of swords i think this particular version of the deck if it's okay with you has a picture of like a person dual wielding swords but they're blindfolded uh so a lot of what like two of swords imagery means is like you're in denial right mm-hmm. like you can't accept what's happened and instead of like owning up to what you've done and being honest you're 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 lashing out you're projecting you're burying your head in the sand right and you're allowing that guilt and shame to build up from within and the final card the 10 of wands i think on the image is like a person carrying 10 really heavy sticks that honestly kind of look like mercy's javelins I think, like that she's been carving this entire time. Like it looks like, you know, and you maybe see a flash of that superimposed over the card. This just means that the burden of that guilt and shame is weighing on her, right? Really heavily. And she's carrying it around with her instead of letting it go and Mm -hmm. moving on. So that's what a nat 20 gives you. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what those guards mean. <laughs> and I think I just kind of stare at them for a minute and just go, well, Mercy, get in line. Um, <laughs> She's spiraling. She made some bad choices and she's spiraling about it. That's what it is. Well, we're all spiraling, I think. Is there anything that we can do to maybe help her stop? Because when you make bad decisions and you spiral, you make more bad decisions. And I don't think we can afford that right now. As someone who has never made a bad decision in their entire life, I am inclined to agree with you. Yeah, no, of course. Every decision you make is always perfect. I was joking. I wasn't. Well, um, I, and I think they fumbled to shuffle the cards back, um, and I, um, yeah, I, hmm, it's probably, honestly, like, she, she needs to deal with things, um, in her own way, which is not well. Um, and it never has been, and it probably never will be, and that's fine. That's some people's journeys, I guess. Um, but you know, um, maybe if we push her a little less about, um, the, the past, as she would put it, and, um, focus more on, on what's right in front of you, I mean them, I mean her, um, then maybe, um... You see what I'm where what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess I could be nicer to her about it. I just she's been so flippant in it. I don't understand it, but I guess it's probably not helpful for me to push her on that. So you're right. Okay, I'll I'll try. You know, it's hard. But you can um, t- talk, t- talk to me about it if, if you want. I'd like that sometime. Cool. Okay. And I think on that like kind of awkward, like, is this, is this the closest that Lally's ever gone to flirting that we've ever seen from them before? I think on that, right, we're like... Pan, like pull out of this like campfire with the two of you sat across from each other maybe still Ali can like pass off the redness of their cheeks from like the flames licking up in the darkness right you're like oh god maybe Jerron doesn't notice um and on that like drifting up with the smoke of the campfire we're gonna wipe the scene and get to five more days passing all right, five more days pass, 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 traveling across Kirtal, going west, following the magic water until we reach night 25. Jaron, Sitlali, and Gentle. The three of you find yourself sitting around a campfire, as usual, with your illustrious leader, Mercy. A couple days ago, Mercy haunt, uh, hunted a mountain goat, uh, and you're still eating off of it, I think. Uh, and its haunch is roasting above the fire, the delicious smell of cooking meat and rendering fat thick in the air. Mercy also allowed the three of you, against her own better judgment, to trade goods and coin with a merchant you met on the road. Though during that entire exchange, Mercy looked really shifty, really on edge. And among other purchases, your party acquired a few flasks of good old-fashioned Kyrian Arki, or milk vodka, uh, made from fermented mare's milk. 
The archie is overflowing, the goat is roasting, and for a few hours on the 25th night of travel, without directly talking about all the stuff that's happened so far, everything feels kind of normal. And I think that's where we find our party now. The starless sky hanging heavy above you, but the jovial light of that bonfire and the torches you've erected to mark the perimeter of your campsite keeps the darkness at bay. And the flat, open fields of the valley stretch out in all directions around you. No hills in this stretch of land. If the stars were still here, their shimmer would likely reflect off of the snowy field, giving you the illusion of sitting amongst the gods. But the stars, of course, aren't here anymore. Gentle Sitlali Jaron, what are the three of you talking about? How's everyone been? Sitlali takes a really big fucking drink. Good. Uh, one thing I've been wanting to ask about is, like, I don't, do we ever talk about the cataclysm? Do we just kind of keep it moving past that? What's there to talk about? Well, I don't know what happened to anyone. I only know what I did, and I don't remember a whole lot. I, I wasn't awake for long. I mean, I can go first, but does anyone not want to talk about it? Because that's also fair, but I feel like it's healthy to maybe uh, commiserate together on this. Ugh, screw it. Let's just get it over with. This was going to happen eventually. All right, let's talk about it. Let's have a feeling session. <laughs> Gentle, you go first. How did the cataclysm affect you? Um. Well, I saw people. Uh, I was sort of doing my own thing. Um, and I saw people start to disappear. And then I heard uh, screaming, and I saw my first, uh, the first bad monsters. Um, they're like little, like little chickens with lots of teeth, essentially. Um, and they were attacking someone, and I tried to shoo them away, and they they latched onto me, and that wasn't great. And I, I ran, uh, I ran the opposite way from all the people, uh, so no one else would get hurt. Uh, and then I ran into Jaron. That's what happened you know, to me. If it wasn't for Jaron, you probably would have bled out on that lake and died. Yeah, but I helped save some people, so not uh, the worst thing in the world. Ah, uh, drops of water in a bucket. I mean, thank you for sharing your truth, gentle. Gentle will quietly put their mask back on and sit back. <laughs> okay. What's going through your mind, Gentle? I'm... I, the, the treatment of, like, life uh, so callously uh, is deeply frustrated Gentle. Gentle is a little angry. Um, so they're going to put their mask on and listen to their friends and not think about it for a second. Okay. Mercy sort of gestures with her like big mug of milk vodka uh, to Jaron. What about you? What did the cataclysm take from you, huh? J-boy? I'm sorry, did you just call me J-boy? <laughs> she did! She's a little drunk. Oh my god, okay. I think throughout this whole process, Jaron has just kind of been like knees up, like arms 
on the knees, looking like staring into the fire and just without looking at Mercy just kind of says, the apocalypse happened. What do you want me to say? What'd it take from you, hmm? Some chicken boys get on you too? I didn't see any scars. You've been awfully quiet about everything in Boshaya. I think at this point, Jerron looks up at Mercy and just, so many people died and we were given life. We were given a second chance when others were given death. And I think that's all the proof that we need to know that the world we live in, it's hell. <laughs> you know what, Jaron? You're absolutely right. There's no good reason why others die while we stay alive. It's completely arbitrary. You weren't there, Mercy. You didn't see it. Have you ever seen Zima Lake boil? Because I did. And the ice cracked because the lake underneath it was roiling, angry at us. And I saw my parents there, somewhere beneath the waves, somewhere beneath the water of Zima Lake, boiling to death, already boiled to death. And Oka, I, I don't even know where Oka is or if they're okay, if they're even alive. And I should have, I should have done more to save people. I, it's never enough, is it? So, no, I don't fucking know what to say about all of this, Mercy. Because the world fucking ended. My world ended. Uh, Hamra, you can take, why don't you take a point of inspiration as Jaron? So you have two total now. I think a silence settles as Mercy just sort of like for the first time looks you in the eye. She's like looking at you directly and the sort of like mocking smirk on her face has faded and in its wake there's just like God. Would you like to roll insight to see what that expression is? I don't know if you've ever seen it on her face before. Yes, always love rolling insight. Uh, let's see what happens. Please be nice to me. Oh my god. Okay, I'm using my inspiration on that. Okay. That was a two. Sounds good. That was a four. I'm gonna use my- Can I use the other point of inspiration? Yes. Please? Yes, you can. You have two points, so use the other one. Oh, thank god. Okay, 18. I have no inspiration <laughs> left, so... Nice. This we is a good it. roll to burn it on. 18. The expression is empathy. Mercy has feelings! We did it <laughs> against, against her will, against her will, yes. She looks at you and says, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I didn't know you lost your shit, kid. I'm sorry. We've all lost a lot. I'm sure you have too. <laughs> uh, yeah. But we live for them, huh? It's the only reason we're still here. There's no reason, but that's the only one. Know what I mean? Sidlali, please tell us you lost a deck of cards or a nail or something. You know, Mercy, I didn't lose anything during the cataclysm. 
Not a single thing. I gained something, actually. Black eyes? Yeah. How can you still do magic, said Lolly? And I think to myself, is it okay to tell them? If you feel they will not jeopardize our bond. If they will not understand, do not give them the honor of knowing about us. Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> yeah, I would, actually. I make it a point to know how my monster hunters work. No, you make it a point to know that they do work, and I do, so does it matter? Is this going to put us in deep shit later, Sitlali? Your magic, no. is it going to backfire? Is it going to spiral no. out of control? Are you going to slip up in a crucial moment when we need you? You want to talk about spiraling, Mercy? That's cute. What is it, gentle? Um, how come uh, you're interested in Sitlali's story and you, you care about your own story, but you made fun of mine? Oh, gentle. Uh, sorry, I've, I've stay in character, stay in character. What? <laughs> oh, you mean my remark about the chicken things. Gentle, it's just a joke. I, I did almost die. That's, that, that's, I, like, I still have scars from it. And, like, but Bud's alone because of that. And, like, I, I, I understand, I understand, like, I get it, you like to use jokes to feel better, but I am still a person too, and I, you know, the mask makes it easier to not uh, look at me uh, to say it, but I, it hurts a little bit, actually. Um, oh, does it? Does it hurt, yeah. Gentle? Yeah. Are you mad? Are you mad at me right now? Why do you want For the me to be mad the first time in you? your life, in your, in your I, life, are you, are you angry? I'm not, I'm not not angry. I just... Someone has to has to let other people be angry towards them, and someone has to be the calm one to calm everyone else down. The cause they are. <laughs> you think you're the mediator here? You're a fucking punching bag, gentle. So roll over and let us walk all over you. Hmm? Do you want to? Do you what? want me Does to? Does that be make me? you mad? Want... Does that make you angry? You do you want to punch me right now? And like Mercy's like starting to get up out of her seat. It seems like what uh, Sitlali said has maybe touched a nerve, so she's mm -hmm. taking it out on Gentle a little bit here. I don't want to hit you. Please don't. Please don't make me do this. I think Sitlali stands up and takes a step towards between them and looks Mercy in the face. What aren't you telling us, and what did you lose? <laughs> What did I lose? What did I lose? <laughs> How can the cataclysm take from someone who doesn't have anything? No, I didn't lose anything in the vanishing. At least I thought I didn't. Unless you count Oka leaving as losing something. But the vanishing didn't do. cause that. No, I don't. Because that wasn't caused by the vanishing. That wasn't the apocalypse. That was Oka's choice. They left us. They left me. On purpose. That was their decision. So it was your apocalypse then? That's fine. 
Different dates. Fuck you, said Lolly. I'm gonna go in and try to give Mercy a hug the way that we have awkwardly hugged before. Ooh. Should I do a fortune roll? I don't know. I wish there was like a comfort or support move (laughs) in (laughs) D&D. Okay, why don't you roll a d20 and tell me what you get? This is a luck roll. Oh, okay. Just a flat d20. You can use inspiration. The luckiest number. (laughs) The luckiest number. Do you want to keep the 13? I'm going to use an inspiration. Okay, sounds good. 19. 19. Okay, you want to keep that? That's the second highest number you could get on a roll. Yeah, I'm going to keep that. (laughs) Okay, you go in and you hug Mercy. And Mercy just, like, stands there, right? Like, looking over your shoulder at Gentle, who's, you know, across the fire, you know, at Jaron, who's also taking this in. Like, Mercy just sort of stands there, like, arms up, with Sitlali hugging her. And for, you know, first time in a long time, Mercy looks speechless. I think Jaron remembering their conversation with Sitlali is going to just, like, deep sigh, get up, and also hug Mercy. We're trying to be nice. Group hug! Jen, are you? I mean, Mercy was kind of a dick to you and hasn't really apologized. But you're gentle. That's your thing. What do you do? I know. Gentle gentle is a lot of pity in their heart. They'll they'll hug. I think they're still not, like, making eye contact with anyone, though. Okay. Wow. I was not expecting this. Uh, As all three of you hug Mercy, she, like... Finally, like, her body was so stiff. <laughs> she feels like a marble statue. Like, she's like, ah, like, do not fucking touch me. But as all three of you hug her, she, like, <sighs> gradually, slowly relaxes, right? And, like, lowers her arms awkwardly, right? And looks down at Gentle specifically. And is trying to, like, make eye contact with you through the slits in her mask. Uh, but even if you don't look back at her, she's gonna say to you, Gentle, I just... I just want you to toughen up, gentle. Because this cataclysm, this apocalypse, if you think that what happened to you is the worst that's gonna come to you down the line, I wish it didn't have to be that way, but that's how life is. Tougher than I look. Um, I'm a hunter by trade, and I don't know if you watched me um, help defend uh, May, but I'm pretty strong when I need to be. But if I focus entirely on my physical body, I still need to make sure that I'm okay on the inside. Um, And I think you're the opposite of me that way. That's not me being mean. And I want you to look at your insides too and take care of them. Wow. Wow, you really are something gentle. I was a grade A bitch to you and didn't sock me in the face. (sighs) Okay, fine. Listen, there's there's something about Oka I need to tell the three of you. They, and the ground starts shaking. The earth shakes. 
all at once uh slow it might have been building in the distance this entire time but y'all were all caught up in this conversation with such raptness that you don't notice it until it gets big the earth trembles all around you you can see uh the tent flaps right of your various tents set up like quivering and trembling in the darkness uh mercy stumbles as all three of you are hugged around her and i need all three of you to make a dexterity saving throw as this earthquake you're not sure what it is earth tremor racks the campsite i have a plus seven and i somehow still got a 10 you're cursed oh my i God. am cursed like actually okay Jorani, you get a 10 sitlali four a four a gentleman's four gentle a 22 <laughs> oh my god okay so mercy and gentle save jaron and sitlali do not so <laughs> those who don't save you are knocked prone and you're gonna take a tight just a teeny smidge of bludgeoning damage uh, as yeah. you fall onto your butts that's only gonna be one point of bludgeoning damage each it's oh, not okay. too much don't worry about it it's just it's more embarrassing than anything uh, as the earth like starts like like cracking and splintering is that what's happening and maybe like all of you are thrown into like a horrible flashback of like lake zima cracking and splintering vents of hot steam coming up from the bubbling frozen lake below and then you flash back into the present drawn as you're knocked off your feet you fall back onto your ass sit lolly your feet also give from underneath you um and you also collapse onto the ground and you realize it's not the ground that's shape it that the ground isn't cracking open it's just shaking with such fury and intensity that it feels like it's about to open up and swallow you all and then you all sense the reason the noise is what alerts you to the cause the sound of dozens and dozens and dozens of galloping hooves takes over at first you're like is that a roll of thunder is that a peal of lightning in the distance no my friends it's a massive herd soaring out of the darkness out of like the 40 feet of like dim light that your torches on the perimeter are casting you see barreling at you from the east a massive just herd of like stampeding animals and the weirdest thing about this is it's not just all one species or a couple of species it's a whole mixed bag you see horses you see zebras their snouts flaring their like striped bodies sort of rippling in the dark you see gazelles you see antelopes you see camels you even see lifting its huge trunk a freaking elephant in the back with tusks tossing its head side to side and they're charging right for your camp gentle and mercy are gonna go first i think because you're not prone gentle what do you do you're the first to act uh -huh. ah is there a way i can uh i might animal handling or something to see if i can get them from actually charging into this into us okay so are you gonna run forward toward the herd is there they seem to be like heading right for the camp and will like trample you and your stuff so are you gonna bravely wade forward and try to stop them or how's have i learned a lesson absolutely not yes i am <laughs> okay i'm gonna say straight up it will be impossible i'm just not okay. gonna allow you so if you get like a nat 20 i don't want you to feel robbed if i say you it doesn't work but i'm just gonna okay. like straight up set the the boundaries of what what is and isn't possible here you could with a high enough roll try to like open up sort of like a moses parting the red sea like yeah, open up like I'm a thinking. channel right okay yeah the roll has to be the dc's really high though the dc's okay. really high yeah. so so roll animal handling 
Oh, all right. That's a 15. That's uh, That doesn't feel high enough. Okay. You want to stick with a 15? You have one point of inspo. I do. I do. Let's see if I'm feeling lucky. I'll burn it. Okay. I uh, did not good enough. Nope. Ah. Sticking with a 15? Mm-hmm. Is that a total or your raw roll? That, that's, that is total. It's 12 plus 3. Okay. Okay. With a 15... Tell me what this looks like as you're trying to divert the flow of animals. I think I, it is just like I'm trying my best to seem big enough to like get them out of the way. To like have them like, all right, this is clearly some sort of threat. Let's skirt around it. You run up to like the fringe of the camp. You like puff yourself up and you're trying to like make yourself look like a threat and hopefully ward off some of these animals. A couple of the more skittish gazelles right? Sort of like dive out of your way. Several of the deer turn and they like go around around the camp. But I'm going to say like maybe like a dozen of them charge in anyway. Uh, but you diverted like three dozen. So like a third of it with, with your 15 like starts stampeding into the camp past you, right? Like a horse gallops past you. You're unable to stop, right? Like you see, thankfully the elephant has gone off and the elephant is not going to trample you, right? But you all, you see like a, a deer, like just sort of just looks frantic and it just, I think it leaps over you in like one big bound and it like just completely clears your head. And then a gazelle runs into you, barrels into you. And then out of like, while you're reeling from that hit, a freaking rhino slams into your slams into your back. So I need you to take with that 15, I need you to take 12 points of bludgeoning damage uh, from right, just cumulative animals slamming into you. It's the rhino, it's the camel, a gazelle here, right, a horse there, and you're just sort of starting. You're starting to get trampled by these animals, but you haven't gone under yet. Duran, Sitlatli, what do you do? Uh, question: Is there a anywhere like? to uh, a nearby that we can get to to get away from these animals like is it just kind of like in the horizon there's just so many of them that it doesn't look like we can get away or there's there were maybe three dozen of them uh and because of gentle's actions a third of them went off to your left another third went off to your right and the remaining third is charging right into you they fanned out so if you were trying to run to the left or the right out of here you'd still have to fight through a herd and that would mean abandoning your tent and your equipment Right, yes. Oh, that makes things difficult, because I was gonna... Okay, I think Jaron's first uh, thought is to get... Because they saw that Sitlali also fell. So I think their their thought is that I need to get Sitlali out of the way, so he's gonna kind of, like, not even get up, but, like, roll over to Sitlali and, like, try to grab her and, like, basically roll out of the way, kind of, I guess, trying to find, like, a spot maybe in between... Uh, like the like one of the ones the herds on the side and one of the like middle herds. Yeah, totally right. Like that Simba moment when like Simba's like up against the rock and they're all leaping over the rock and don't hit Simba. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Jaron, this seems like your main motive here is to protect Sitlali. So I need yes. you to make either an acrobatics or an athletics check to see how well you do that. Okay. I think on that front we are going to do acrobatics because that's higher. Uh, Sixteen. Okay, that is just sufficient, uh, but you're going to take some damage instead. Uh, That's fine. Though you do save Sitlali from it. Describe to me what it looks like as you grab Sitlali and you hunker down behind maybe like a large boulder that's nearby. So I think what you see is like Jaron is like on his butt, like uh, laying down on the ground, kind of looks over, sees Sitlali and like immediately without really even needing to like push off the ground, just kind of like rolls over, like grabs Sitlali and then like 
with perhaps a more uh, more agility than you would have expected, like gets uh, like not like fully up, but kind of like half stands up and like pulls into maybe like a outcropping or something where there's uh, somewhere to hide. Okay, sounds good. As you dive and you grab Sitlali, I think like a, a stampeding like goat, like a really big goat. Okay, maybe it's less of a goat and more of an ibex, let's say, like an ungulate, right? It tosses its huge head and it just clocks you, like, in the side. So I need you to take nine points of bludgeoning and three points of piercing damage uh, from those horns as they sort of gore you and scrape you down the side. But it's, you know, it's it's running, it's not, like, out to get you, you just get in the way, right? And you duck under this rock and you pull Sitlali in. Sitlali, what are you doing? Well, I've just been scooped and saw Jaron take uh, some damage, so I'm just gonna cast some Cure Wounds while I've been okay. scooped. That's 12 points of okay. healing. That's like full. You heal all the way back up, right? So what does it look like as you reach over and you heal Jaron, who's like got this like gore like along like his side? I think it's it's that like dark kind of light that, and it's like kind of sticky like, not, not like sticky, but uh, words. It like I want to say it all. It looks like it almost knits the flesh back together, and like linger, like lingers a little bit longer than their magic used to, like an oil slick before it kind of like dissipates. Okay, I really like that. Yeah, you sort of like loom over as like thundering hooves like run past you like freaking battering rams. Just the earth is trembling. You reach over, you take a deep breath, you focus and this dark grasping magic slowly knits Jaron's flesh back up. And you hear Lonely's voice in your head go, I hope they're worth your help. And I think while that's happening, Mercy's also diving into action. She just sort of shouts out, the water! And she's like diving toward her tent. Uh, like in the middle of all these like rushing animals uh, and is like trying to scoop it up uh, and she's like dodging like between like these like goats and these horses uh, and these cows right and these antelopes and these deer she's like dodging amongst them and I think all of you can sort of see in the chaos like Mercy scoops up the tent like like pulls it down by force and like uh, I think a freaking um a bison is barreling toward her like making a straight beeline for her she sees it at the last moment steadies herself grabs it by the horns when it collides with her and suplexes it onto the ground behind her. Bam! And the bison's like legs are in the air and it's like thrashing and it quickly scrabbles back to its feet and it continues galloping away uh, as Mercy has successfully protected her tent and her equipment, including unmazed vial of magical water from this onslaught. But some time has passed, so I think what this means is the rest of your tents get clobbered just a little bit by the initial onslaught of these animals. They just trample over your equipment like a, a I think like a, a buffalo tramples over like the, the campfire and just like, like starts putting it out as the flames start to flicker and die down. And I need all three of you to make a perception check at the stage. 16. Okay, 16 from Jaron. 13. 13 from Gentle. 26. 26 from Sitlali. Sitlali, you hear it first. In the near distance, getting closer, are more hooves. But there's something different about these hooves. Because let's say you're peeking over the boulder as you start to feel like the, the herd is starting to die down a bit. Like this seems to be like the initial onslaught is starting to die down. But another wave is coming and you're like, God damn, more animals? You peek over the boulder and you see carrying torches. 
are Kyrian riders, no fewer than a dozen uh, on horseback. And they're like pursuing this herd and they're shouting in Kyrian. Do any of you speak Kyrian or understand it? I know so many languages, but not Kyrian. Okay. <laughs> that I don't think any of you know what they're saying, but they're shouting and they seem to be impassioned and insistent and they appear to be chasing this herd, right? And like, I think all of you see it now, Jeron and Gentle. Gentle, you're the first one there. You've been battered, you've been winded, but now you're seeing like barreling down at you, this like herd kicking up like snow and plumes of dust in the darkness, holding torches. Um, or rather the torches are mounted on special sconces on their horses. Kyrian cavalry. What do you do? Hmm. Um, if I know they're speaking a language that I absolutely don't understand, I might try to find some sort of visual sh- or some like shorthand of we like I am I am a friend. Okay. Are you gonna run forward? Uh, everyone speaks common, so you can talk in okay, common. Perfect. This is just their native tongue, but everyone speaks common. Gotcha. Uh, hi. Um, is there anything I can do to help? Gentle roll. I usually don't ask for charisma checks, but a lot is happening. Uh, so why don't you roll me a persuasion check? That's a 17. Okay. Uh, most of them barrel past you because they seem to be listening to a leader of theirs. As they start to like run up on you, leading the charge, you see a tiefling woman. Okay. Uh, she's got this dark red skin uh, and she has this like sort of like short black hair that's sort of swept up almost into a, like a no-nonsense ponytail. She's got these like curved black horns coming out of her forehead and she's draped in these sort of like this like leather studded leather armor and she has like a composite bow made of like sinew and horn and wood out and she has like two arrows notched to it right um, that you notice like both of the arrows are lit with fire and as she barrels past you she just sort of glances down at you and then her eyes sort of widen as she realizes there are people here and she barks something in Kyrian and like at the last minute the cavalry who are I think about to trample you in the middle of the darkness because they're really intent on chasing these this like herd, this runaway herd they like split and because of this woman shouting an order they like don't run into you gentle and she starts she slows down a little bit barks a couple more orders and most of the cavalry peel off but like f- three or five remain with her, right? Most of them run off to like chase the herd that's now, that has like now completely stampeded over your tent, uh, your tents and are like continuing west. They're continuing to go west and the rest of this, um, this woman's unit moves off to, to chase them. But she pauses here and she poof, poof, lets two of these arrows loose at the ground and magically poof, poof, these like uh, torches ignite. Right, because you're just spiraling out of nowhere. These two torches ignite to sort of like light the tent better. You get the sense that she like fired these arrows so she could see better. Uh, and she sort of like draws her horse to like a, like a halt around you. And the other like remaining four or five cavalry people like also like slow down and start to like assess the situation. And I don't think they see Jaron, Sitlali, or Mercy yet because y'all are sort of in the muck. You're in your campsite taking care of it. So this woman looks down at you and says in common, you. It's dangerous out here at night. What are you doing here? Um, hi. Uh, I'm Gentle. Uh, I'm a monster hunter, Hounds of Mercy. Um, and uh, our camp got sort of trampled a second ago. Um, yeah. Hi. How are? Wh- who are you? Nice to meet you. Yes, you were trampled by one of the runaway herds. It's been a problem. Yeah. How long have you been traveling through Kirtal? They've started to become epidemic. 
Um, uh, we've been on the we've been traveling for a while. We uh, headed out from uh, Chukai. Um, we've been just sort of on the move. Um, do you want to meet the rest of my group? I'm not really uh, the operations person here. Certainly, certainly. Did the herd take any of your animals? Any of your own herd? Did they leave? Did they join the stampede? Uh, no, I don't see any fine. of your animals here. Where are they? I just slipped up, but no, this is our only oh. animal. That. Oh, I see. <laughs> You're not very well equipped to survive in Kirtal, then. Everything here is about our fields and our herd. Uh, m- yeah, maybe so. Um, I I will get you in touch with my mercy. And I just sort of walk, walk that way. I'm sorry. Did you say, did you say mercy? Uh, and she's going to sort of yeah. like clop alongside you atop her horse. She has not come down it. Right. And sort of squeezes her legs and the horse <clears throat> knickers. And you see, it's like a dapple gray gelding is this horse. It's very beautiful. Uh, actually, it's got this like beautiful, like she's wearing, I think she's riding bareback. Nope. Nope, she's riding with a saddle because she has stirrups. Uh, I did a lot of research into this, actually, and her, like, feet are currently in the stirrups, and she, like, squeezes the legs, you know, squeezes the flank of this horse, and the horse sort of, like, slowly goes forward. While this is happening, Jaron Sitlali. Sitlali, are you okay? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. Are you, are you, thank, are you, thank, thank, thank you. No, well, I mean... Thank you. You helped with uh, that hurt. Oh, that hurt a lot, but I seem to be perfectly fine now. Good, good. That's, that's good. Looking around, I think Jaron sees like the, the stampede having destroyed all of their tents and just kind of, just kind of sighs. And, um, Jaron is going to just bend down and start like clearing things up, trying to like pick up and see like what's fine and what's not, and like trying to put the tent uh, like back up essentially. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you assess the damage and you start to slowly bring the poles of the tent back up. But as you like start to raise the poles, you realize they're snapped. Like one snapped in half, another pole's completely shattered. One pole's like scattered. It's like left the sleeve of the tent and has scattered across the field. You don't even know how that happened, right? And as you start to, as you roll out from behind this boulder and start to assess the damage, you notice a couple of these cavalry people um, sort of like clopping in toward the circum like toward the outer edges of your tent and looking at you and like cocking their heads and like like watching you and they're all wearing this sort of like light armor this like light leather armor they've all got like bows strapped to their back a couple of them have their bows at rest you know they're not pointing them at you but they have them at rest with like quivers like re- at the ready teeming with like fistfuls of arrows right and they're all wearing these like sort of furred helms um plated with like leather hardened leather on, on top Sitlali, what are you doing? Having a gay crisis, but that's for, you know, typical. Um, uh, I think they see Jaron going to try to fix the tent and they just cast light to try and help with that. And like, because, fuck it. And I think they have the light, they cast it kind of like on the tip of Jaron's horns so that it's like a headlamp. <laughs> that's so Uh, cute and they're just kind of like i sure did that okay gonna walk away very confidently Mm -hmm, i am confident and fine um and then see gentle probably and this 
tiefling um and i'm still having a gay crisis it's fine don't worry about it uh my pansexual heart um i'll just i'm just gonna approach uh gentle and this definitely not bareback riding uh tiefling as you get closer to the tiefling you see her face in more detail especially as the light from Jaron's horn starts to illuminate this area even more you see that she's got these like like i said curved horns and as she blinks in this new light blooming into existence you see that her pupils are horizontal almost like a goat's pupils and she has this like long thin tail uh whipping out of the back of her trousers that ends in this like sharp spade right that's sort of like lashing back and forth a little bit as she's like taking in the tent she sees you Ah, hi there. Sorry to intrude upon your tent here. I'm sorry, gentle. You said something about a mercy? Oh, no. Not another one. Please tell me this isn't another one. Uh, she's over there. And I... Mer- mercy? Uh, and all of you see Mercy, like, she, I think she was kneeling by her crumpled tent and was so intent on making sure, like, the the vial of, of magic water from from May is intact. You see that it's in her hands. She lets out a relieved sigh. She sees it's not cracked. She tucks it into a satchel now on her body and looks up when you call her name. Ah, gentle, who are the... And her words die in her throat as she makes eye contact with this tiefling on horseback. And the, there's like a, a silence, a beat, a, a single heartbeat of non-movement as these two women look at each other. And then the tiefling, gently didn't even notice her knock the arrow. She lets an arrow fly and it pegs Mercy in the shoulder. And Mercy lets out a, a shout of pain as it like goes straight through her shoulder. Uh, and this woman goes, you, and knocks another arrow and loses it. And Mercy drops to the knee, her knees and starts rolling. Almost like she's in like a Dark Souls boss battle. <laughs> and it's like starting to roll, like she rolls and poof, another arrow comes comes loose. Are poof, not poof, allowed poof, in poof, cure poof, tall. Uh, as she continues rolling and like dodging most of the arrows, but a couple of them stick into her. Right, so Mercy's taken some damage at this point, as she shouts out to you, Jaron, who's closest to where I think the weapons are kept. Jaron, my greatsword! And she's holding out her hand for you to toss it to her. I think Jaron does, like, instinctively uh, takes out Mercy's greatsword and, like, throws it at her. But at the same time, turning around, like, unsheathing uh, their own uh, rapier, uh, confused, looking up at what's going on. Mercy catches it and says, no, 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 don't fight her. This is fine. Uh, and you notice that the other soldiers are also not attacking, but they've drawn, they've knocked arrows and they've drawn their bows and they're aiming it at Mercy, but they're not letting it loose yet. And this woman on horseback continues to like, sort of like, she's standing up in her stirrup so she can pivot and like turn the horse and like aim at Mercy, even though Mercy's trying to get behind her into her blind spot. But she keeps, she turns the horse around and like moves in perfect sync with her and like continues loosing arrows at Mercy's body and saying, I told you the next time you came into the clans i have your head <laughs> uh sell him sell him look i'm i really didn't want this to happen i we're on our way out okay we're just headed toward the chasm we're not going to give you any trouble what part of a kill order is unclear as she lets out more arrows i'm just gonna call out like i'm not going to obviously run in front of arrows for mercy but i will get closer um, <laughs> and just kind of um, 
excuse me, I, yes, um, this, she, I'm sorry for her. Whatever she did, she did something, obviously. She deserves the Why? kill order, I'm sure. Why am I the bad me. guy here? Shy, Lieutenant Shy is the most unreasonable, the most honestly, frankly, see, needy. See, respectfully, shut up until you make me your second. Shut the fuck up. Uh, anyway, so whatever she's done, I'm so sorry for it. We're not responsible for it, though. But like, can you not? Can you not kill her? We kind of need her right now. Um, but we will get rid of her for you. Not in like a kill way, regrettably, as much as I would enjoy that <laughs> personally. But like, we'll go. We'll go. You just have to. If we can, uh, as fun as it is to watch her roll repeatedly. Um, roll persuasion. But seventeen plus eight. Twenty-five. It's a that. Okay, 25. Okay. Uh, she's slowly, like, she has an arrow knocked at Mercy, who has paused and is, like, panting, has a couple arrows sticking out of her, her back and her chest. But she's, like, still standing, right? And is, like, holding her greatsword and has deflected a few of the arrows with the, the flat blade of her sword, right? And is, like, standing there and is, like, bleeding a little. And this person that Mercy had referred to as Selim and Lieutenant Shy says, one-on-one -on -one duel to the death. Very dramatic and Sitlali, it's it's fine. Okay. We'll do it then. <clears throat> and Mercy sort of like sure struggles. This, Mercy? It's Jaron, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I know Selim. I know Lieutenant Shy. She won't actually kill me. It's okay. What are you whispering about? As Selim is sort of like uh swapping out her bow for a bigger one. <laughs> Uh, for a bigger one and like with new kinds of arrows, right? She's sort of like, she's got quivers and like bows and weapons strapped to like the body of her horse, right? And is like very expertly exchanging it out. Like it's second nature. Uh, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing at all. I accept the terms of the duel. And because of that, no one can intervene. Okay, listen, hounds, this is just, I'm so sorry. I, <sighs> mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That list that I kept asking for. This is why, Mercy. This is why. Good fucking luck. And I'm going to clap her on the arm and <laughs> no, give the her arrows, a, the arrows, careful. Give her a second level cure wounds. Okay. <laughs> so roll to restore her health. 20. Okay, that's great. Uh I think what happens is like ugh, like she like rips out some of the arrows as you're placing your hands on her and like like the wounds suture themselves back up, leaving like bloodied holes and like the leather of her armor, uh, but like the skin behind the holes are smooth as they like patch themselves back up. <sighs> Thanks so loudly. Uh, hey, Lieutenant Shy, don't you think it's a little unfair for you to be mounted while I'm on foot? Shouldn't the playing ground be a little bit more even here? <laughs> it's your fault you don't have a mount, Mercy. Besides, even if you did, it'd be pathetic. I'd write circles around you. Um, also, it's Captain Shy now. Captain Shy! My bad, my apologies. Looks like Toktoa Agon saw fit to promote you. Kagan! Toktoa Kagan. And yes, she did, with a personal commendation and ceremony, if you must know. Ah, if I must know, huh? Congratulations, Selim. Seems like you're on the up and up, everything you always wanted. Shut up. Face me. You, step away from her. There is to be no aid given during this battle, you understand? 
Totally. It's fine, Sitlali. I can take care of myself. If you live and don't make me your second, you're going to regret it. It'll be my dying words, I promise. A Geron gentle hour? <laughs> Who are the two of you responding to all of this? Because I want to know. I think Geron is just like, has resheathed their, their rapier. Like, just big sigh. Shaking their head, looking at all of this. And I think, honestly, if we're being perfectly frank here i think they see a little of themselves in oka in this scenario and they're just kind of like reflecting like am i am i like this do you mean do you see a little bit of yourself in mercy or the other woman or because you said oka yes 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 so i see we i see a little bit of me and oka in this oh got it got it got it i misheard you i thought you said a little bit of you in oka okay never mind oh no sorry and oka you're good you're good you're good all right yeah so john you sheath your rapier and you're just like okay all right maybe like reevaluating your own choices a little bit too as you look at this what about you gentle i'm gonna take uh inventory of the things that we have and maybe got broken uh, and I'm just gonna sort of let this play out. I think, I think I just sigh and just start just writing down everything that's broken. Okay, uh, you're just like sighing to yourself and taking inventory, but maybe also keeping an eye on the fight. And I think the two women start to circle each other. Uh, Captain Shy, like like knocks three arrows on like her new longbow and like like brings her horse a little farther out away from Mercy, like out of range of Mercy's greatsword. Uh, and Mercy's like, <laughs> really? Gonna fight like a coward here, huh, Shy? I see how it is. Not to worry. I can always face you down. Remember the last time we dueled? I kicked your ass. It's been years since we last dueled, Mercy. And you'll come to see that I've learned a few things. And with that, <laughs> the... Stop it, Dare! Stop it with the air quotes around dueled, you dirty gremlin, because uh, I'm there with you. Uh, <laughs> Captain Shy lets three of the arrows loose, and Mercy is gonna like use her greatsword in a flash to deflect two of them, but one nicks her in the shoulder. That's all you got? Come on, come at me! Aren't you supposed to be Captain Shy? Show me you deserve that captain title. Why, you- I don't have to prove myself to you! She knocks three more arrows and it's like firing them one after the other. And the battle commence joins in earnest. Mercy deflects arrows as, you know, Captain Shy shoots them. Mercy keeps trying to close the gap, but Selim's on a horse. So she can very easily just sort of back out of range and shoot and back out of range and shoot. And it's sort of like a, like, the arrows don't do too much damage, right? And like one swing from that Blade of Mercies could probably really fuck up Selim's day, but Selim's way too dexterous. She's just weaving out of the way, getting close enough to fire an arrow, and then weaving out of the way again and firing an arrow. And it's like Mercy trying to hit her, getting closer, but then like she'll spin out of the way on her horse. And it's just like, it seems to be stalemated. You know, like after a couple of moments, Mercy's deflecting, you know, and like parrying and swinging and Selim's running back and the horse starts sweating kind of. Like you see like white foam starting to form on like the horse's flank as the horse starts to get tired before the women do. You see the horse starting to struggle along as like Selim's twisting and turning it this way and that way. Would anyone like to do anything uh, during this stage of the fight or say anything? I'm just gonna call out this 
doesn't seem productive, and I think you should either get a room or kill each other, so pick one. Does it look like either one is winning? No. It seems like this could go on for a while. Mercy, you said we had urgent business. You said no stops, no diverting from the plan. This feels like a diversion from the plan. I think a battle to the death can be an exception. And she like ping and like an arrow pings off of her sword and thwacks into like the ground next to you, Jaron. Why are your lovers always the exception? Listen, this is one lover I didn't ask for. And uh, Selim interrupts and says, lover? <laughs> lover? That's all I was to you? Just a lover? Uh, and she knocks like another arrow and poof, lets it loose and it pings off of Mercy's blade. Is it, is it dumb to try to sleight of hand or just actively take these from both of them like children? <laughs> is it dumb? Uh, yes. Do I want to? Absolutely. You are you trying to disarm both of them? I think I'm gonna. Mm, I'm probably gonna disarm Salem just because okay. the horse gives makes it easier as a weird thing to have to worry about. So you are you gonna stunning strike the horse? Is I'm that... not gonna stunning strike the horse. I think I'm just gonna try to do like a quick acrobatics, like essentially pommel a literal horse and snag it and just kind of keep it moving for a second. Oh, so you're gonna grapple the horse and not I'm try gonna... to grab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to jump off of the horse or, like, sort of use the horse as a, to get, like, some momentum. Like, literally pommel horse off of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it just, like, snatch it out of her hands. So, the bow? Like, yeah, she feels uh -huh. like the reasonable one to stop. Okay, uh, that's going to be a check, <laughs> gentle. All right. So, so why don't you first make acrobatics to see if you can even get up there in the middle of the moving horse. And if it's successful, you get to roll sleight of hand. Let's see if a 24 would do it. That would do it. So describe what it looks like as you start to flip toward that horse. I think it's, I like run at it full force, do a, I think Gentle has a, a vertical leap enough to get straight up on the horse. And it is uh, essentially me looking of like, sorry, maybe this will help you calm down. And as I'm reaching out, I'm just going to like shoot myself off. And hopefully okay. that force will just, yeah. She goes, what? What the? In the split second that you land on the haunches of her horse, roll sleight of hand. Wow, that's the one I'm worried about. All right, 18. 18, that's efficient. You snatch the bow out of her hands and you jump off, right? Uh, and now she's she's unarmed. You hop off the horse right as the horse like bucks its like hind legs to sort of like get you off as well. But she stays attached, right? She's very used to this horse bucking. The horse bucks slash you jump off of it and you land with like her bow and the arrow that was knocked in it, right? Like in your hands. And Mercy says, gentle, you're not supposed to. Thank you. Can we talk like adults now, please? This is uh, a lot. Talk like adults. Talk like adults. Is that what this is about, Mercy? You think I, what? You think 27 is too young for you? Uh, and Selim is going to jump off of the horse, drawing a scimitar as she does, and like face Mercy, like mano a mano on the ground. Selim, don't make me do this. I know you're a fantastic horseback fighter, but... I destroy you. <laughs> so what? 
I don't even care anymore. You, you, and Selim rushes forward and uh, like, like one handing her sword. And Mercy is not really fighting back here. She's just sort of parrying and deflecting and like taking steps back. You broke my heart. And she smashes the scimitar so hard against the flat of Mercy's blade that like a ringing noise emanates out from it. I think at this point, Jaron is going to try and get in between them somehow without getting hit, which is going to be a little difficult, I think. Okay. But I think they're going to try and just kind of like get in between them because I think they recognize that Mercy's probably right that if this person is used to fighting on horseback, they're probably not a match for Mercy on the ground. And like realistically, Jaron doesn't want to see this like doesn't want to see Selim actually die. Uh, So (laughs) they're going to try to get in between and just uh, like looking at, uh, I think like back to Mercy looking towards Selim is just going to say, enough. We have a mission, very important one that we need to get to. And if you let us, we're just trying to pass through. A mission, huh? What is this mission, Mercy? What is it if it's important enough? You know what? Yeah, I'll let you go. So what's this mission that's so important for you to cut through my turf to get through, Mercy? Morose is right there. (sighs) Selim, look, I'm sorry. Time is of the essence. Jaron is right. We're... We're looking for... We're... And Mercy looks at you, Sitlali, to step up and, like, quickly come up with a lie. Naturally. Um, Sitlali will step forward and just go, We have a lead on the cause of the cataclysm, and we're here to kill it. What? Wait. Mercy, wait. Uh, Difficult to explain. Cleric things. Totally, totally. And I hold up my holy symbol, which is, I think, any person can recognize it's of the Raven Queen. For sure. Like the the, the skull, right? Yeah. And I think it might, if you'll let me, I think it, using thaumaturgy, like it glows like a little bit. Yeah. You. Wait, the cause of the cataclysm and you, that's, that's a symbol of the Raven Queen. Mm Mm-hmm. How can it still... How do you... If you're a cleric, how do you still have your powers? It's complicated. It it is complicated, and it's why Sidlali is on my team. The uh, Sidlali, Gentle, and Jaron are members of... The best members of the Hounds. And, uh... It's very important that the four of us make it out of Kirtal alive, so we can try to stop... To try to reverse, oh, reverse the cataclysm. Mm-mm. Restore the eight. Yes, restore the eight. Reverse the cataclysm. Mend the damage that's been done. So you're telling me that you, cold-hearted Mercy, are trying to save the world because you found these new family members that you now treat as dear loved ones and that that has changed your heart? I... I don't know where you're getting all that from, Selim, but... Yes. Yes. And there's like a silence. And then Selim 
throws her horns back and laughs like such a derisive like she heard the funniest saddest joke in the world and just laughs it out and like her laugh like rings across the darkness in this open field and she like slaps her knee she's like hold on hold on she like is like holding her scimitar in one hand slapping her knee and when she's finally done she sheaths her scimitar uh, and looks up at Mercy and says, <laughs> I don't buy that one bit. But what I can tell is that the four of you are desperate to get a move on. <sighs> you, Mercy, I... You, I... <sighs> this duel isn't over. I... <sighs> but Andake comes first. That's what... That's what Toktoa Kagan would do. But before I let you go... You, you, and you, and she's pointing to Sitlali, Gento, and Juran. Tell me, tell me everything you know about the Cataclysm. What, what's the cause? What's the source? I have to know so Toktoa Kagan can know. We don't know what exactly caused it. That's part of the mission, is trying to figure it out. We just know that there are weird, empty monsters that are plaguing these lands now. And actually, if you don't already know this, have you come across any of these monsters before? <laughs> yes, we've slain a great many roaming the fields like dark aberrations come to life. About that. Maybe when you kill them, look inside them first. And if you find a weird flesh-looking sack, take that out and don't open it. The sacks. So they do mean something. It's part of our customs to use every part of the prey we hunt. The hide for tents, the fur for clothes, the horns for weapons and bows. But these creatures have little to no value. Their bodies can't be used after we kill them. It's... I don't know. It's like they're made of... Dark magic, whatever it is. Void magic. Souls. That's right. When you Souls. open when you open the bags, they die. So that's what that feeling was. The weave snapping all around us. Great aid, what has Ndake come to? Thank you for telling me. I'll make sure to carry this information back to Taktoa Kagan. She must know. And this source of the cataclysm, does it? Does it have anything to do with paragons at all? Why? Nothing, no reason. It's just... <sighs> and she um, starts like pacing around, right? As like her riders still stand on the periphery of the tent watching silently, right? It's just... <sighs> when was the last time in Ndake's history that something like this has happened? Not since the Great War 700 years ago. And before that... Not since the Gambit of Queens a myriad ago. If these mythic heroes, these paragons, were real, and if they were to actually rise up again now would be the time, don't you think? And what's more than that, there are whispers. Whispers that Toktoa Kagan is the paragon of Galtanger. She's divinely appointed by our god to rescue us from this. So whatever you know about the Cataclysm, please, you must tell me. How do you know? 
that this person is a paragon. Well, have you met her? On horseback, she can thread an arrow through the eye of a needle from 200 meters apace. If that's not paragon-like behavior, I don't know what is. She's trying to unite the clans. If that's not a paragon's duty, tell me what is. Is that how we find a paragon? How we recognize one? <laughs> I don't know about you, but these children's stories... It's not just children's stories anymore, Mercy. Wake up! Look around you! You're living in a myth. This is what legends are made of. The stars being gone, the gods leaving us. If there's any time for a crucible to test our mettle and have heroes rise, now is the time. <laughs> Selim, you've always been so romantic. It's flights of fancy. Being romantic isn't a bad thing, Mercy. It gives you something to live for. Beyond just fucking and trucking your way around in Dake. Uh, <clears throat> hound sidebar, please, if this duel is adjourned. For now, for now, only because you bear news that Toktoa Kagan might be interested in. Stand down. She says to the other um, soldiers who, like, lower their bows. This entire time, we're still trained on Mercy. They lower it, and they, like, relax their bowstrings. <clears throat> hound? I think before Jaron goes to Mercy, uh, they'll just kind of, like, lean in to Selim and just kind of whisper, We'll bring her back to you for the duel after this is all over. <laughs> Good. I'm expecting it. Then we'll finally settle this feud. The, the way she treated me at... Anyway. Uh, and I think the three of you, like, huddle off to a side of your, like, destroyed, trampled, ruined campsite. Away from, like, uh, Selim's ears and eyes. And Mercy huddles in and says, Listen. What if she's telling the truth? What if Toktoa Kagan is, fuck, I don't know, a goddamn paragon? I don't know that that's enough to go on just because somebody is a good political leader and a good hunter. That seems not enough. If she is a paragon, what the fuck are we supposed to do about it? I don't know. Share information about Sens? This thing, this no. compass. Do we want more people looking for Sun's Paragon? Because... No. I don't know. I don't think we do. <laughs> Something tells me that if the wrong people found out about the Paragons being real, and that we had a way to locate one, it could go very badly for us. Good point. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. This God's damned eight damned cataclysm. As she, like, mutters something in, in Tal Talmadi under her breath, and then turns to you, gentle. What do you think? I don't dis- with, uh, maybe keeping this a bit closer to the chest, but also, um, maybe knowing that, like, sharing enough information, uh, isn't necessarily bad, because at least she'll be on our good side, and maybe she can help us get more, uh, equipment- since ours is broken now. Also, just a question. What did Mercy mutter under her breath? Because I do speak Talmadi. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, she muttered under her breath. Look at this mess you've left us, Inoka. Just gonna store that in my brain for later. <laughs> Jaron will remember this. Flashes on the screen. Mercy says, Okay, fine. It seems like the consensus here is don't tell them more than they have to know, but I'll give her something vague enough to get her off our fucking backs, okay? Because Selim is... Listen, Hounds, uh, this is really embarrassing. Uh, a number of years ago, I was involved with Selim. It was, it was a disgusting whirlwind of just... You don't have to know the details. Uh, yes, gentle. Have you said sorry? Why would I say sorry? She's the one who got all clingy on me. We made it very clear this was just sex, nothing else. And she had to go ahead and... Maybe try saying sorry and she won't try to kill you. Um, also, I could have caught some of those for you, but um, maybe you needed that. Um, anyway. I was noticing, but, you know, you were just obeying the rules of the duel. No intervention, right? Something that you broke after snatching the bow from her hands. I'm surprised she didn't sock you in the face. I guess I'm she was just so mad. It. I should give that back. At some you point. should give it back. Yes, you should. Okay, fine. Any final feelings before I break the news to Selim? Okay, it's damned. Selim, yes, there is something we haven't told you yet. Uh, the thing that could help talk to Akagan is... The Paragons are real. They're coming back. But we don't know who they are. We don't know how to find them. And we don't know how they're made, if they're made at all, or if they're just born that way, okay? But take that back to the Kagon. Tell her that Paragons are real. They walk among us. And if she's one, then... I guess she should just know, right? Seems like an innate thing, an intuitive thing. Okay. Yeah. I will tell her that. Okay. And maybe after this, I won't just be captain, I'll be a commander. <laughs> you and your ambitions. Fine. We upheld our end of the bargain. Let us go. And not just that. The information we gave you, Selim, no one else on Andake knows. Alright, I think that deserves some provisions. I mean, that herd you were chasing did trample over all of our things. What do you say? Fine. But your little quest, wherever you're headed, is going to have to wait another night. I'll send a missive. I'll get some provisions here, but you'll have to camp here for the rest of the night. Another day. Don't leave in the morning. You'll have to wait for my herd to get here. To wait for reinforcements to arrive. Fine by me. I think we can spare one day. What do you think, Hound? I think a rest would be nice. I agree. Okay. Fine, we'll stay here for one more day until the next nightfall. But that's it. Fine. Then we'll pitch our tents here, too. And she starts barking orders in Kyrian uh, as her soldiers start to dismount and pitch their own tents. Ugh. Great. Eight. Fine. Only because I allow it. This is my campsite, after all. I'm the leader here. Hounds! Let's fix these tents and... Try to sleep the rest of the night off. Uh, I give Selim her bow back. Thank you. <laughs> that thing you did on the back of Botoy? Nicely done. You can make a fine rider. Do you ride? 
No, I more of a uh, water hunter uh, than a uh, like game hunter. <laughs> if and when your pup gets big enough, perhaps you can ride them. I look at Bud. I'm just like, maybe. Um, can you help? Uh, like, help us build some of these tents. Actually, um, I they're I, they got really broken, and I appreciate. <laughs> some uh, assistance. Don't tell Mercy. Fine, I will. Only because, again, of that invaluable information you gave us. I I can't believe I'm privy to this slice of knowledge that no one else on Andake knows. <laughs> a commander title is getting closer and closer. And she barks orders in Kyrian again uh, to her soldiers to... They have, like, extra tents and extra bedrolls. And all in all, there's just enough for individual tents for all but one. So two people are going to have to shack up in the same tent that's been erected. And Mercy just sort of, like, looks at Selim who looks back at her, then these two women, like, they're, like, bristling with this, like, tension, and they both look at, like, the one tent that's supposed to be the communal tent. Is anyone gonna, like, intervene? I think Jerron will. I think this is this is a recipe for disaster. Jerron can see it coming a mile away. Uh, so they're just gonna kind of step up and just... <clears throat> I can I can take this tent. Ah, fine. Mercy, sleeping with your subordinates again, I see. It's not no, like no. that. Ew. Hey, I'll join you, Jaron. Okay. I'm okay with that. Fine. Jaron, sit lolly, you have this tent. <laughs> Excuse me? Whatever. You snore really loudly. It's a sign of a good deep sleep. Something you could use more of. I see those eye bags. She does snore. It's annoying. Hey! Thank you. Fine. Then I'll sleep in my tent over here, and you'll sleep in your tent over there, and we just won't talk until the morning, provisions will come, and then we'll say goodbye. And I'll never see your face in Kirtal again. Ever. Fine. 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 Does anyone want tea? I think, like, this entire time... <laughs> yeah. Mercy and Selim have been getting closer and closer as they've been saying like fine to each other and gentle you pipe up and they <clears throat> they turn around and they walk away uh, to their to their own tents. If it's possible at all, and we don't need to like play this out, but I just want to say if it's possible at all, I think Jaron would try to get in a conversation with Selim at some point during the night in order to just get dirt on Mercy. Just like what like some stories, maybe some stuff, some embarrassing things that we can use later. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah, I think you find Selim like like putting the finishing touches on pitching her own tent. Uh, I, I think actually she's like um, leashing her horses, like ma- like setting her horses out to graze in like a nearby uh, snow. She's like helping f- situate the horses. You approach her. Um, she turns and says, "Oh, it's you. What do you want?" I noticed that uh, you have some difficulties with Mercy. (laughs) That's an understatement if I ever heard one. Can I help you? Well, I mean, we in the Hounds, I'm sure it comes to no surprise to you, sometimes have difficulties of our own. 
and I'm sure you understand it would be kind of fun to hear about what is Mercy like when she's not Mercy, you know? Like, what does she <laughs> do for fun? Well, she's an asshole. I assume that's still true no matter where she is. But she... Uh, and Selwyn's face kind of almost like softens a little as she's like, like I think brushing down her horse, she's like grooming it. But she can be, I don't know, she can be tender too in a really disarming way. Like she's this big owl bear, but there's like something soft inside. But she's so fucked up, Jaron. She's, <laughs> that woman is toxic poison, okay? Those are a lot of complicated feelings that you have towards her, aren't they? I just feel like I can fix her. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a great idea. Look, as somebody who spends a lot of time with Mercy, I, I think that's a bigger project than you should maybe take But I've, I've grown. It's been three years since we've been together. I've become a better person. Surely she's become more mature and a better person, I mean, at her age. You might have grown, but I don't know that Mercy has really. I think she has a lot of self like reflection to do, a lot of like own work that she should do on herself uh, before she can be ready for this, I think. Okay, okay. I just, I don't know. Just seeing her again is, is like, it's like I'm 27 again. And it just brings back all these feelings and the way we left things was so painful and she never apologized I thought I meant something to her I thought what we had was real but I guess not I'm sure it was real in its own did you way. hear her she just called me a lover don't think I didn't overhear a little bit of your conversation too the way she talks about me like I'm some petulant child I'm a grown woman I think Mercy just has difficulty saying what she really means. <sighs> she really does. I swear, that woman is a lit fuse, and one day she's going to explode. And that is exactly why you cannot fix her. I have to finish grooming my horses, if you don't mind. No, but... I should say, from one hunter to another, you could teach me a thing or two about your uh, crossbow, was it, skills? I don't know how much I could teach in the span of just a night, but how good is your aim? And I think we could like pan away from that, you know, shot uh, to the rest of the party, sit loudly gentle to sort of round out the session, right? Before provisions arrive and we have like this final rest before we break uh, for the episode. What would the two of you like to do? Um, oh, no, go I ahead. Just, I just want to say thank you for helping stand stand up uh, for me against Mercy. Oh, me? You're talking to me. Oh, that's in character. Um, what are you? I I didn't I didn't do anything really. I mean, you were willing to still stand up and stop it before it's going to happen, because if I can be incredibly honest, I was going to hit Mercy. I know. 
why did you stop it? I, I, I don't know. It seemed like a, it was, um, counterproductive to, to the, the mission for us to fight each other. Hostile work environment is not ideal. It, for, forgive me for this, but you seem to normally enjoy a little hostile, uh, a little hostility in the work environment. Yes, when I'm causing it. Ah. Um, are, you're. Are you wearing a mask right now? Probably. But again, what does it matter? Either way, thank you. Um, and you're really good at this, and I think you should be. Mercy second in command. I think you're the only one who really wants it anyway. They just kind of pat you on the shoulder and uh, walk past you and try to go track down Mercy. Okay, we're going to swing the focus to another part of camp where Mercy is, I think, putting the stake in in one of the new tents that the other soldiers just had on hand with them. And she's like putting it in. And as you approach without even turning around, like, you know, her, her forearm, the muscle of her forearm flexing as she bangs this hammer in. What do you want, Sitlali? You're to chastise me about yet another ex? You made me a promise. And what would that be? That I'd be your second if you didn't die. <laughs> I seem to recall the sequence of events a little differently. You typically do. I'm not ready to name a second yet. You're doing well, Sitlali. You're the How front runner. How long has it been? What? How long has it been since Oka left you? I don't see how that has anything to do with this conversation. How have you been doing since Oka left you? <sighs> Who do you confide in since Oka left you? We're not doing the group hug thing against it, Lolly. The moment's over. Stop trying to force it. I'm not trying to force a group hug. I will punch you if I need to. <laughs> what, like a mosquito biting the side of an elephant? I'd like to see you try. Would you really? Oka's been gone. Oka's been gone a long enough time, okay? I have a feeling they might have even been gone longer than that while they were still here, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. <laughs> One foot out the fucking door. Classic. I thought they were different. I thought they were... I thought they thought I was... But it doesn't matter now. Because they're gone, and again, like I keep saying, I feel like a broken image. They're not coming back. And you're probably right. I don't think they are. And you're the one who keeps saying we should move on, right? Yeah. So let's move on. Stop bringing it up. I've moved on, have you? If you've moved on, then you would have named a new second by now. Is that what this is about, Sidlali? You think you can psychoanalyze me from your comfortable little spot in the distance? I know what this is. You're just ambitious. You want second, and you don't even really care about Oka. Because you don't even really care about anything, do you? Where are you getting your fucking magic from? An emissary of the Raven Queen. What? How's that possible? Where are they? They just Where put a hand they? on my chest. 
Sitlali, what have you done? What I had to? What is it? What did it want from you? What did you give it? It needs a place to live. Is that why all your spells have felt wrong? Grasping like a vacuum? They still work, don't they? Sitlali, you told me you had this under control, that your magic was... You call this non-volatile? It still works. I can still heal people. And that's what you need me for, right? That and talking your way out of problems that you caused that I had nothing to do with. <sighs> Go to bed, Sitlali. We're done here. Don't we'll fucking tell me what to do. We'll talk more about the second thing in the morning, after we get our equipment repaired. I did what I had to. If and when I do name a second because I will, Sitlali, because fuck you, I'm over Oka. This isn't about me not being over them. If and when I do that, whoever the second is going to be will never be able to replace Oka. So I keep hearing from everyone. And leave. Okay. Mercy hesitates with her back turned to you. And, like, the warmth of, like, the campfire talk of, like, the big hug you all shared at the end of that scene feels so far away, right? Like, all of the little bit of progress you all made as a group has just sort of, like, like two, like, two steps forward, three steps back situation as Mercy, like, turns her shoulders towards you, like, squares it and keeps, like, driving that stake into the ground. And Sitlali, you go to the tent where you see Jaron already inside. The communal tent that the two of you are supposed to share for that night. Sidlali, you enter the tent with your mind swirling with these comparisons to Oka, of like never being able to replace them, right? And Jaron, you're sat there as well. Why don't you tell me what's on your mind as Sidlali comes in? I think Jaron is just kind of reflecting on because because he came back here after having spoken to Salem about mercy and their relationship and how Salem has been so hurt in the process and thought you know that they that it meant something more than it clearly did to mercy and I think that whole all of that is kind of in Jaron's head right now and they're kind of having their own doubts about it you know like if Oka is alive, why haven't I heard from them yet? Where they know how to find me. They know that I'm still with the hounds, presumably. I should have should have received a letter by now, right? So if they're alive, then they're choosing not to find me. Analia left immediately. The cataclysm happened and Analia went straight back to their lover in Nabal. And I wish... Oka had done the same. <sighs> Inspiration for that. You know what? Inspiration for all of you, because this, this has just been a lot. So I want to put some salve on the burns. Okay. Duran, you're thinking about Oka. You're thinking about being abandoned by them. This feeling of yearning for someone that you feel like maybe gods maybe they're not choosing you back here and then sitlali enters right uh and the tent flap sort of like 
goes slack as we like pull out of this tent as Lolly comes in this changeling. Uh, we're gonna pull out of this tent uh, area and like sort of widen the scope onto the entire campsite. Gentle, where do we find you? What are you doing as you're winding down for the night? I'm probably near the edge of the camp per usual. Um, hanging out with Bud, uh, making some tea and just, I think more than I have so far, especially because no one's nearby. I just look really worn down and really tired. Mm, I like that. As we pull out of this campsite, we see Bud, like, snuggle up to you. And Bud's really cute, you know, wolf puppy has been, like, sort of, like, cheering up this entire time. Like, rests, like, their little front paws on your chest and, like, rests the bottom of their jaw, like, against your heart. Sort of, like, looks up at you and whines a little bit. Seems to be able to tell that you are having a lot of feelings right now and is offering as much support as this wolf puppy can. Snuggled up against you. In a lot of ways, you're alone, gentle, and so is this pup. But at least, you know, this pup has you. Pull out of this campsite. We see Mercy finally, like, putting the tent together as she goes into her tent, right? And, like, the, the light inside, like, turns off. As, like, the lights inside tents start to turn off as people start to go to bed, we see like, the light in Mercy's tent turn off. Like, uh, Gentle continues, like, drinking tea, nursing it on the edge of the tent. The other soldiers' lights turn off inside their tents, but, like, a soldier, like, stays up to sort of, like, take first watch, maybe alongside Gentle. And we see the f one of the final lights to turn off is the light of Jaron and Setlali's tent. Uh, we see their form silhouetted against the tent, and poof, like, it goes dark. And then we pan over to Selim's tent, which turns dark, and then in the darkness under the cover of night, not seen by anyone... Selim sneaks out of her tent uh, and slips into Mercy's. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Alex, Azura, Bradley, Brookbright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Later, Marvelous, Purple Mouse, Scruffusus, and Target.